Welcome to Curious Psalms, a podcast where we practice reading and praying this wonderful prayer book of God's people. I'm your host, Matt, and joining me today, recorded before he shipped out to Kansas, is the good Reverend Q Han. In this episode, we talk a lot about how Psalm 47 can be a kind of model for our prayer and our speech, the way it models joy in a world of contempt, and the ways it even, Q talks about, can help us write our own psalms of praise. We also discuss the wonder of its vision of all the nations assembling before God. This is, like the psalm itself, a joyful conversation. I was grateful to be a part of it. To get us started, here's Q reading Psalm 47. Clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to God with cries of joy. For the Most High is awesome, the great King of over all the earth. He subdued nations under us, peoples under our feet. He chose our inheritance for us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loved. God has ascended amid shouts of joy, the Lord amid the sounding of trumpets. Sing praises to God, sing praises, sing praises to our King, sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing to him a psalm of praise. God reigns over the nations. God is seated on his holy throne. The nobles of the nations assemble as the people of the God of Abraham, for the kings of the earth belong to God. He is greatly exalted. Q, my co-host, welcome back to Curious Psalms. It makes me happy that you're finally, finally embracing the reality. (laughs) Yeah, it's good to be back as a co-host. Maybe for one of our last times here. (laughs) Listeners might have noticed that Q has been a little bit more frequent on the podcast of late. True. It's because I've been trying to squeeze in as much Q wisdom before you head out. So thankful that you agreed to talk about Psalm 47 with me. Yep. I am glad to be back, and I I would hope that I brought also some wisdom with me. If not, I trust that you will have some. <laughs> <laughs> That's I'm very confident in you. <laughs> Let's dive into our questions. Q, what stood out to you in reading this psalm? What stood out to me the most from Psalm 47 was mm-hmm. this image of the outpouring of praise. And it's like very subtle in this text, right? I have to really <laughs> dig it hard to find it. But I think we see this kind of theme of praise. It says cries of joy and shouts mm. of joy that people are lifting up and, you know, they're praising God. And I just thought it's a, a, a very refreshing image because I don't know about you, Matt, but I hear... I think our culture, we are oftentimes very much exposed to like many voices of contempt as we surf through the social media or whether it be about, you know, the government officials or some kind of decisions or policies made around something. We hear many, many voices of contempt. And I don't know about you, but oftentimes it's easy for me to voice myself with words of contempt, whether it's regarding, you know, the news that I've just read or certain people groups or whatever the Mm -hmm. case may be. But in the midst, I just found Psalm 47 extremely refreshing because it's just saturated with voices of like passionate praise, you know, cries of joy. You think about like shouts of joy. People Mm -hmm. are gathered praising and, you know, rejoicing. It's quite the image. And I just wondered about like, what would it look like 
on social media or what would it look like for people to be talking about politics with one another with this kind of voices you know yeah instead of voices of contempt so i think just in regards to our culture and maybe our default as people the voice of psalm 47 was very refreshing well, that's really interesting, Hugh. As I'm thinking about it, it strikes me that there's two things specifically around this that this psalm makes me reflect on with respect to kind of the voices that we're exposed to. One thing that it makes me reflect on at first is the way that we have taken contempt and equated it with authenticity mm-hmm. often. Like if you think about the times where you see joy on social media, often that can be looked down on or you don't want to do that because you're like worried about bragging about your life or something, Yeah. right? But a post that is, yeah, contemptuous or like cynical even about the world is like something that's authentic. Mm -hmm. So I think this Psalm helps introduce joy as authenticity, maybe back into our vocabulary in a helpful way. And the other thing that I think is really helpful is that this isn't a boasting in oneself, Mm -hmm. right? It is a pointing to what, God is and who he is. Right. That's what brings the shouts of joy. That is the reason That's for the their reason, praise. That's the reason, which seems yeah. like really critical too to when we think about what does it look like for us to carry an authentic shout of joy, mm. so to speak. It probably doesn't mean glorying in ourselves, right? right? <laughs> it's like really bringing, you know, a whole new kind of set of perspectives and yeah. worldview like yeah, into yeah. our culture, you know? Yeah. So I really like that. That's mm. kind of a helpful way to think about it. There were two two things that stood out to me. The first was just the almost toddler-like image that the psalm starts with. Clap your hands, all you nations. Mm. And I thought, this is exactly what we tell Oliver, my son, who's 14 months old, to do. We say, Oliver, clap, clap. <laughs> <laughs> and then he claps. <laughs> and one of the fun things to stretch the metaphor a little bit is that we get as much delight in his clapping as he does, oh. right? And so even the summons to clap, there's something I think that God delights in when yeah. sort of the world celebrates, so mm-hmm. to speak. But the second thing that struck me was this language of ascension in verse five. Yeah. God has ascended amid shouts of joy. It's kind of just pop- popped in there. And I was reading that this could refer to kind of the Ark of the Covenant kind of coming to Jerusalem. In fact, the same language is used in 2 Samuel 6.15. So there's a sense of God ascending his earthly throne. But the more I read the Psalms, the more I think I'm developing sort of like what I might call sort of a Bible sense or a Bible sense, yeah. which I mean in the same way that Spider-Man has a Spidey sense. <laughs> Granny, you know, for listening. Granny, we have Spider-Man listening. mentioning here. <laughs> but you know what? Like, so for Spider-Man, he's has like an awareness when something's kind of happening around mm. him, right? Like, even if he can't see it. I think the same way is like, w- when you start reading the Psalms a lot, you start to have this sense of like, is that something that's picked up elsewhere in the Bible or an idea? Not necessarily quoted, but an idea. And I was just thinking like, how central the ascension is to the new testament and jesus ministry and what it means for him to ascend and how i mean i want to say hebrews in particular has a sense of like his ascension and seated and his presence next to god is so critical for who he is and what he does Mm -hmm. and so even here we're seeing my my bible sense you know was going off and thinking oh like isn't this interesting the way that the new testament talks about jesus ascension maybe not quoting this but it has these same kind of images in the back of it, um, the ways that when we read the Psalms, then we kind of pointed it, propelled forward that the ascension isn't sort of like Jesus just goes up, but it is associated with God's kingship and his reign and ultimately the praise that he deserves. So those are two, two things that stood out to me. I love it. Especially enjoyed the image of Oliver (laughs) clapping (laughs) with joy and delight. Yeah. It's pretty fun. Yeah. 
made the nations be like Oliver, right? <laughs> Let's move to our second question, Q. What do we learn about God from this psalm? What I learned about God in this psalm, what was very interesting is this dual nature of God's regard for Israel. So he has like elected a very particular nation. Yeah. And then there's also like this this invitation of to praise God is open to all nations. Right. So there is kind of this dual reality going on. God's care for Israel. And he is very clearly, as we read through, especially the Old Testament of the Bible, where God is, you know, the defender for Israel. And God has elected this country, this nation of people to bring justice and restoration, reconciliation to all nations. Mm -hmm. So that just really strikes me that God is a God of all nations and all people. Yeah. And again, going back to our culture and especially just this past month or so of news that we hear about Afghanistan and just the conflict and the sufferings around the world to just kind of imagine this image of all people and all nations praising God yeah. for the sense of justice and reconciliation that he is bringing and making all things new mm -hmm. is really a beautiful thing. But at the same time, like really honestly, like hard to wrap my head around. And that is yet the hope and the promise of the good news that God is making all things new. And it would look like all nations, all people right. praising him. Yes. together so what did i learn about god i think i learned that god is making all things new and he is trustworthy that we can trust him that he is bringing justice and reconciliation hmm. and all people to himself yeah uh, in ways that perhaps none of us can fully like you know acknowledge or recognize right yeah yeah there's a sense here too i mean i think speaking to what you're saying verse 9 is especially interesting to me the nobles of the nations assemble mm. as the people of the god of abraham yeah there's maybe a couple of ways to think about god's kingship one could be he is sort of the emperor who is dominating the globe mm. right like eventually he conquers everyone right and so then they have to clap <laughs> because yeah. you, just, you know you sort of uh, stand for the emperor as he walks by but verse 9 suggests there is at least the possibility of something different that the nobles yeah. of the nations assemble not to pay homage to the emperor who's conquered them but as the people of the yeah. god of abraham there is even even here, just in this psalm, there's a special way in which we are seeing God extending sort of the boundaries. He's making the boundaries of his people porous right. and inviting people in, which, I mean, we know from the New Testament, you and I, at least sitting in this room, are incredibly grateful for this impulse that God yeah. has, because otherwise right. we wouldn't be considered exactly. part of the people of God, yeah. since neither of us are Jewish, right, right. and have that particular heritage. And uh, so as God brings in the Gentiles in the New Testament, we mm. see here the echoes and the reflections of the the impulse of God that's going to come to fruition in Jesus yeah. and in the early church. And that's, that's where I like what I meant by when I say like, that's really hard to wrap my head around because when we think about someone bringing justice and reconciliation, oftentimes, not all, all the time, but it's really often associated with bringing a one particular group or nation down. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like justice yes. and reconciliation yeah, yeah, yeah. often implies that. But I think what we see here is, as you said, in some ways, God is still kind of, he has a plan 
to bring all nations to himself. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like it does make sense. I wonder too if sometimes because I I hear what you're saying that there's something kind of that we stumble over here. And I wonder sometimes if we also, when we hear nations, we think about political states mm. far more than people groups. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. So like we tend to think in terms of when we hear nations, we don't think in terms of ethnic identity. It is at least interesting to consider what it means for all the nations in terms of a people groups, not necessarily like, oh, uh, America and Mexico mm. and Canada. Although maybe yeah, that yeah, yeah, that's yeah. also kind of partly in view, but really what's primarily yeah. in view is kind of the nations in terms of all the I peoples. I like that distinction. Yeah. You know what it's I mean? It's helpful for me too. Yeah. Because then it's less, I don't know. I think that becomes a little bit less like, oh, well. Like, yeah, is the U.S. going to have to be brought low at Mexico's expense? Because yeah, we true. tend to start thinking about international diplomacy right. when we think about the nations, I think like, I very was, quickly. As I kind I of engage with this text, and that's um, a great kind of distinction and kind of broader lens to kind of think about this. Right. Yeah, like so, that. Yep. Anyway, more for us to chew on, for sure. Yeah, I yeah, I had just kind of follow-up thoughts, but I think it's good for us to kind of <laughs> You can on. pause there. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I loved in thinking about what we learned about God from the psalm is the language... In verse four, he chose our inheritance for us, mm. the pride of Jacob, whom he loved, which I think is probably concretely referring to the land that is Israel's inheritance pretty consistently as we read about it. And so there's kind of a concrete way in which God chose this place for them, this land of milk and honey. But I just love the idea of God choosing our inheritance and the idea that like God knows exactly the best thing for us to receive mm. from him, if this makes sense. Uh, it made me think of first Peter also talks about the inheritance we have in chapter one. Uh, he says in his great mercy, he God has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is now ready to be revealed in the last time. Mm -hmm. In all this, you greatly rejoice though. Now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. It almost sounds minute. like Peter might have read Psalm 47. Yeah, right? <laughs> the sense of inheritance. Yeah, yeah. And I just, well, and Peter does this particular thing where he talks about the goodness of the inheritance that we're going to receive from God. Like it's so good that it is it is a source of rejoicing. To go back to our talk about language of rejoicing, yeah. even in the midst of trials and the grief of that. And I thought that's, it invites us. God's kind of choosing of our inheritance, so to speak, invites us into a posture yeah. of trust and joy because we know, I mean, it, it can be far, it will be far better than what we can imagine and will be perfectly what we, what we need and kind of fulfill us fully, you right. know? So I think that inheritance also kind of brings us to like the core of who we are, like the identity pieces there too, like mm. the inheritance which kind of implies that we are children of God. Oh, yes. And that may be being, you know, to to go back yes. to what you said earlier with your point, like us being the children of God, yeah. being what we, like, realizing that and living into that identity maybe being one of the most kind of significant realizations for oh, all of us. That's so good, you know? Q. Yeah, absolutely. Let's turn to our third question now. Which is the last question. The last third or and last possibly question. possibly... My last podcast recording here. Possib this might be possibly the last question I ever ask you. Yeah. <laughs> like ever. <laughs> ever. Ever. <laughs> like we might like, you know, see each other somewhere. I'll never ask you a question though. Yeah. Like when we're 80 years old, like we just kind of run by each other. I'll say, Q, you were doing well, but it will be a period at the end of the sentence. <laughs> never a question mark. 
Here it is. How does this psalm help us to pray? Yes. You know, this is possibly my last Curious Psalms recording, so I better make it count. So <laughs> I'd like to leave something for myself, for you, Matt, and also for our listeners. A suggestion. Oh, yeah. A way to pray. Verse 7 also struck me for God is the king of all the earth and that is the reason for praising God right mm -hmm. as the psalmist says and then he says sing to him a psalm of praise so my suggestion an invitation would be for us to like write down a short or long psalm of praise like how often have I in my personal life you know have a moment to really like praise God yeah. And it's like obviously not formulaic, but I think how this particular psalm is formatted, verse 2 through 4, the psalmist kind of recalls what God has done for Israel, how he brought, you know, other nations under Israel, mm -hmm. right? I mean, leading them to the, the land of milk and honey. Yeah. So in light of that, the first part of our psalm writing, psalm of praise writing could be, I think, focused on what has he done in mm. our lives. Yeah. Or in our world, as we see and recognize, and just kind of writing it down as a prayer. And then the second part, verses six and seven, love this image. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises for God is the King of all the earth. Sing to Him a psalm of praise. So I think the psalmist is really kind of depicting a very specific image of praising, which is like singing. Oh, yeah. Right? And then even earlier with trumpets and mm -hmm. all of that. So the second part of our prayer or psalm writing, focusing on how would you praise him? Maybe for Aaron, it's another songwriting, you know, uh -huh. maybe for someone, it's just kind of walking and, you know, kind of, or beatboxing. Yeah. <laughs> Is that what you're going to say? <laughs> no, doing some hip hop dancing and all those things. But. <laughs> Like, what does praising God look like for you? And maybe just kind of writing it down mm. and, you know, making it your own psalm of praise. So first, the first part of this psalm writing, focusing on what has God done for you mm -hmm. in your life, in your world, or in this world. And second part, just focusing on how that would praise or praising God look like yeah. for you. Love that. Yeah. Thanks, Q. I'm going to take a page out of Dr. Libby Backfish's book. When, we, yeah. when I talked with her about Psalm 45, one of the ways that she talked about that particular psalm, which is about this wedding of the king being an impetus to prayer, is actually it helps us and it reminds us to pray for our leaders. Mm. And she recognized, of course, that praying for our national leaders is a very different thing than praying for God's anointed king yeah. in Israel. But that still, we could take that as an impetus to offer prayers for them. And I think... As I read this, I think we can follow a similar model where this invites us to pray for the nations. Um, and just as you and I were talking about earlier, that maybe nations refers to people as much as it refers to nation yeah. states, but that we might pray for our world and pray for uh, this coming together, not in the sense of a kumbaya, isn't it nice that we're all united, but really in the sense of we are all submitted to God. And I, that is really an eschatological prayer, by which yeah. I mean that is a prayer that looks toward the day when God will make all things right. Yeah. But there's no reason we shouldn't be praying for that and mm. longing for that and cultivating a longing for that within ourselves. I don't think so. Mm. I'd I like this psalm as an impetus to pray for the day when all of us sing Psalm 47 and it is fully and finally true. Right. You know, so maybe 
maybe that's the flip side, not only to pray for our nations, but to pray this psalm itself to kind of cultivate our desire for that day mm. more deeply within us. And looking at our world today, I think it'll be very tough for me to find things to pray for, but <laughs> I'll try really hard. I really wish you'd said, said this earlier because then I could have called sort of the chaplaincy office and just said, hey, this guy, he doesn't even know what to pray for. He's probably not adequate. Don't. <laughs> Don't send him away. <laughs> All these plans. We'll keep working with him here. We'll keep working <laughs> with him here, I guess. Oh, I keep trying. I yeah, keep man. trying. Well, Q, thanks for this conversation. As always. Glad to be here. Going to miss sending you my panicked email saying, I have no guest. Will you help me out? <laughs> <laughs> you fly me out from Kansas. If yeah, you pay for my flight right. ticket. Well, so well, we could probably do lend it. Lend me your guest room. We could probably do it at a distance yeah. before we need to fly you out. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. All right. Well, let's conclude with verse 6 and verse 7, which you read so well. Mm-hmm. And I'll now repeat. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our king. Sing praises. For God is the king of all the earth. Sing to him a psalm of praise. Friends, go out and sing the psalms. <laughs>